Kids, if y'all would just have a seat right there on the floor. Just have a seat right there where you are. All right, Miss Ellie's going to read us a Bible verse, okay? Let me hold it. Are you going to hold it? On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thank you. Good job. You want the mic? All right, so. You want that? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) All right, all right. Um couple of things this morning as they're kind of making their way out. I want to remind you guys, we're, we're still kind of beta testing the Faith Life app. If you have that downloaded, our digital bulletin's on there. If you don't have that downloaded, you can go to, uh, just open your web browser, go to faithlife.com forward slash TGPW, and the digital bulletin will pop up. It has our announcements on there. It's got the sermon slides. There should be an outline on there with blanks, and when you click on the blank, the word pops up because it's magic. Um, if you don't have a smartphone, uh, Bethany has some copies back there in the back. Kyle's got them out, looks like, of uh, a printed version of that outline. If you like to write and fill in the blanks, um, you can get one of those. Uh, kids, my kids especially, y'all get one of those for Mr. Kyle and work on that while we're, so you can, so you can pay attention today. Awesome. Okay. Sweet. All right, here we go. So last week we looked at, at, at several different things in the Christmas story. And I shared with you guys kind of my struggle of, of being in the story that we've all heard so many times and, and asking the Lord, you know, what, what is there new, what is there fresh, a word that we can get out of the scripture that we haven't heard before? Um, because, you know, I, I explained to you guys that Christmas for me is like that album that you, that you bought that you love so much and then you listen to it too or are sick of it and then you don't want to hear it anymore. So it's not that spiritually that, that Christmas is not exciting to me. It's just, you know, I'm 35. We've, I've been through the Christmas story several times. And so um, for me and for you guys, I wanted to give us an opportunity to kind of look at the Christmas story with some fresh eyes. And so last week we looked at uh, the anguish that came with the Christmas story. We talked about the experiences that, that the characters that we see in that story of Mary and Joseph and Zachariah and Elizabeth and uh, all of those people, the things that they had to suffer through and go through um, as a result of their part in the Christmas story. And we talked about how following Christ for us can be difficult at times and as we obey the spirit and we do what God's calling us to do that it can cause us to become an outcast in our circle of friends or in our family. Um, We talked about that that our suffering is not necessarily about us that there are going to be times when the Lord calls us into a season of suffering and we are going to benefit from it but the major benefit may be for someone else's uh, life someone that is doing life around us. Okay, we talked about when life does get difficult, when we go into those times of difficulty, that we need to ask God what's going on. We need to say, hey, Lord, um, things are really a struggle right now. Can you, can you help me figure out what's going on here? I'm going to shut this door real quick. All right, and then lastly, we talked about how our willingness to suffer shows a couple of things. Number one, it shows how much we love God, but it also shows the people around us how much God loves them and how much God loves us as we are willing to walk through those hard times for the sake of, of being in relationship with him. 
Okay, so this week we're going we're gonna to look at some more of the Christmas story. We're going to kind of pick up where we left off. Um, and we're going to spend most of our time or all of our time today in, in the end part of Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at uh, when Mary has her encounter with Elizabeth. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Zachariah and Elizabeth and their experience with uh, the birth of their son. Uh, and kind of tie all of that together. But before we do that, I want to kind of set the stage for you guys. I've been doing some reading over the last two weeks about world history in the time of, of the Christmas story because I wanted to, to get a better context of what was going on in the lives of the people that were studying, in the lives of the Jewish people to help me to understand why they responded in some of the ways they did. And so I learned a lot of things that were brand new for me. Um, they may not be brand new for you. If they're not, awesome. If they are, cool. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to learn along with me. So um, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament is about 400 years, okay? During that 400 years, the reason that there's no scripture written there is because there were no prophets. They, they call that the, the time of silence from God. And let me, let me explain what's going on during that 400 years. A couple of things um, that are pretty major in world history. Number one, Alexander the Great is doing his deal. And I got a slide, and if you'll pop that up, that kind of shows all of the region. And this is in the Faith Life app. Um, you can get a little better size of it. They... Alexander the Great started up here in Macedonia, and he conquered all the way over to what is modern-day India, including Jerusalem and all of that. So during this 400 years of silence, in the beginning of that, Alexander the Great is, is just making a sweep across that part of the world and conquering everybody that's in his path. His reign lasted about 13 years, and then he was killed by his men because uh, when it came time to return, instead of sailing back home, which they could have done, he decided to march them across the desert. Okay, obviously they were not real happy about that. Long story short, they end up killing him. And then for, for decades after that, all of his generals uh, are constantly at war with one another trying to gain power. So during this time of silence when the Lord is not speaking to the nation of Israel, we have these major conflicts going on. And for them, this is their world. This is all they know of. They don't have satellites and GPS to know that they're a little speck on a big globe. As far as they know, this is, this is the earth. And, and all of this war is happening, is going on. Okay? So, also, interestingly enough, during this time is when the Great Wall of China is being built. Didn't know that. Okay? So China knows that all of this is coming and they're, they're blocking themselves off from Alexander the Great's armies and others. Okay? This is also the time of Julius Caesar in Rome. Now... Uh, uh, Greece and, and Italy and all that had been conquered by Alexander the Great, but after his death during all this turmoil is when Julius Caesar comes to power. And then, of course, we all know the story there that he eventually uh, is killed by his friends. Uh, and then uh, Mark Antony takes over. And, and Herod the Great, who we're going to talk about a little bit today, is put into power during this time. Okay, And, and Glenn next week is going to talk about the Magi and them coming and, and, and delve into that story a little bit. But just a little tidbit of information. Herod was placed in power by Julius Caesar because he saved Julius Caesar's life during battle. And the word Herod means hero. And so he was, the way that they would manage all these territories is they would put... Um, um, they would call them kings, but they would put them in charge of certain, certain regions. And then the next slide pops up, kind of shows you all of the area that, that King Herod had control over. Okay? Now, Herod is only a half-Jew, so for the Jewish people, they don't. first of all, he's not in the line of David, who 
according to their history, the kings need to be from the line of David. And Herod is not, and he's not even a full Jew. And so they're not happy about the fact that Herod is the one that's ruling over them. And if you study anything about Herod, you'll realize uh, how horrific he is, that, that he is uh, paranoid, especially the older he got, the worse it got. And so if he thought for any reason that you were plotting against him, he'd have you killed. He killed one of his wives and several of his sons, and towards the end of his life, all of his family are gone and either have been killed by him or abandoned by him. And that's why we see when, when the Magi are going looking for the king, and, and then we hear Herod make this claim that he wants to have all the children under the age of two killed. That's what that's about, because the Magi, who were of similar position to him in another part of the world, show up and say, where's the king of the Jews? We've, we've seen the star, and we know based on the prophecies that, that he has been born, and Herod's going, wait a minute, I'm the king of the Jews, and so he feels threatened, and so that context helps for me, really, get a better understanding of why people are responding in the way that they are, and if you can imagine for a moment, if you can kind of let your brain wrap around this, I want you to think about the fact that our country, the United States, is not even 250 years old, okay? Think about as far back as you can um, in your ancestry line. Think about how many generations back you can go and then kind of figure the number of years. What, what I'm trying to help you understand is for our country, like for me, when I think about the United States, I think about how old we are and I think about this legacy that we have and I also think about all the things that have gone terribly, terribly wrong in the history of the United States. And, and in our minds, we think that's a long time and it is, but in terms of what we're looking at in the Christmas story, this context, this culture that they're growing up in is vastly, almost twice as long as the one that we know today. And so when, we, when I talk about all that they knew was war and, 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 and tyranny and all of those things, it literally, like as far back as anybody can think and remember, other than what they have written as scripture, that's what the world is for them. And so when I was in college, we talked about all the time, and you've heard me say this, that the, the Jews were looking for a conquering king. And then when the Messiah showed up as a suffering servant, they didn't recognize him in that. And, and I used to fault them for that and be like, God, could you not read the prophecies? Do you not, are you not reading the same thing I am? Well, the, the difference is, is that I'm the dummy and that I didn't understand the context that they were living in. What they needed, what they wanted, was somebody to come in and, and, and relieve them, to pull them out of that tyranny, out of that suffering. But what they didn't understand is, is that God came to do that, but not in the way that they understood he wasn't coming in as a military power. He was coming in not to save them just from the people that were lording over them, but to save us from ourselves and for the sin that's in our lives, okay? So as we're talking about the Christmas story, join me in thinking about the fact that, that this, this story, the context that they're living in is so much bigger than what we can even imagine, okay? Um, everything that these people have known for as far back as they can remember is deceit, murder, adultery, um, constant pressure to believe in gods other than the one that they claimed, okay, the, to know as the one true God, okay? And, and I bring all this up. The reason that this for me is so important is because last week, you know, we talked about the anguish of Advent, we talked about the suffering of those people, and then we talked about the, our own suffering, and, and we have a tendency to look at our small little lives and we think, man, life is so hard for me. And if you, if you compare that with the way the world was where they were, we have it so easy. You know, we, we talk about how, man, life is so hard right now. Money's really tight. It's the Christmas season and money's tight. And, and you know, I'm not sure I'm going to pull all of this off. Yes, that's difficult. 
but you don't have to worry about is somebody in my family going to be killed tomorrow because they made the king mad, right? So we got a little, a little different level of, of suffering because that was a reality for them, okay? So let's jump in. We're going to go to, uh, to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 39 through 45, okay? So as you're turning there, I want you to think about this. What the Jewish people were looking for and what they wanted was they wanted peace and they wanted joy. That was their goal. Is they wanted to, to, to be um, released from or, or um, rescued from the things that they were living under. And so we're going to look today at some scripture. We're going we're to see how our goal is, is that as we look at the scripture today, is to see the interactions that the characters in the, in the biblical story of Christmas have with one another and with God in order to understand for ourselves um, that the joy that comes from Christmas is, that, is the fact that, that Jesus is here, that he is the Savior that we needed and the Savior that we're looking for. Okay, so let's jump in. Verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth had heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among young women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And, and why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Okay, so for number one for today is that God speaks through other believers and it helps us to believe and to understand what God is doing, okay? This is not a new truth for us. We've talked about this before when we've covered the ways that the Lord speaks. We know that God speaks through other believers, okay? But again, I want us to look at these stories that we know and I want us to see some truths that we also understand and, and be able to put those truths into this story and make those connections happen, okay? So I want to remind you that Mary previous to this passage, has been told by the angels that she's pregnant. We talked about last week that the penalty for being pregnant outside of, of marriage was her being stoned to death. So that's what she typically would be facing. And so it, the scripture tells us that she rushes away and she goes to Elizabeth, which I assume is her aunt. It doesn't tell us exactly what the relation is, but they are blood relatives. She rushes to her aunt because the angel tells her Elizabeth is pregnant. She's with child. Okay, so a couple of things that I think that, that are happening here is Mary goes to Elizabeth because, number one, she knows that Elizabeth is going through something very similar. If you remember, Elizabeth, uh, and we'll look at this in a little bit, is, is quite old. She's well past the, uh, the years of being able to, um, to carry a child. And so she knows that Elizabeth's life just got flipped upside down, but she also knows that her husband, Zachariah, is a priest. And that he is a man that, that is, is zealous for the Lord. And so I believe that she goes there seeking comfort and counsel from the two of them. Okay? And so Mary enters the house and without even saying a word other than hello, immediately the Holy Spirit enters Elizabeth and shows Elizabeth what is going on. Okay? And God uses Elizabeth to confirm for Mary what she's already been told. Now you may think, why is that necessary? An angel showed up and told uh, uh, Mary... Hey, look, you're going to be with a child, okay? And I want you to think for a minute, a time when the Lord has shared something major with you, and you, you see it, and you know it, but when somebody comes and says, hey, look, man, I've been praying for you, and I feel like the Lord's given me this word for you, how encouraging it is for somebody else 
to, to agree with what the Lord is already saying, right? Can, we, can I get you guys to say that, yes, that's a good thing? It's awesome because when we're in a stressful place in life and God speaks something and it's big and it's major, we get, I, I don't know about you, I can speak for myself, I get nervous. And I say, okay, look, God, I think this is what you're saying, but I also think maybe I'm crazy, okay? I know you guys have probably been there before. And so when somebody else in your life comes to you and says, hey, look, I've been praying for you in regards to this and I think this is what the Lord's saying, you go, Okay, I'm not crazy. This is what God's saying. And then it gives you the courage to move forward, but that happens through the confirmation of other believers. Uh, other believers. I, I want you guys to know and understand, if you don't already, that God loves you enough to continue to speak to you until you're confident in what he's saying. God is, I, I've heard people say before, well, I asked God once, and he told me once, and that's enough. If that's, if that's you, great. Okay, but for the rest of us, <laughs> who are still trying to figure this thing out, I need to know more than once. I've heard people say, well, I've asked God already, and he didn't answer, and, and he knows that I need it, and I'm not going to bother him. Okay, that's not biblical, okay? We've all heard the story of, of the widow who went to the, to the judge and begged and begged and begged, and Jesus said, God's even better than that judge is. So we know that God's request, his desire for us is to know him, to continually go before him and seek him out and say, God, I think this is what's going on. Would you inform my situation? Would you help me to understand what you're saying. So that's number one. We see that God speaks through believers to help us understand what he's doing. Okay, let's go to Matthew, I mean, uh, Luke 1, 46 through 56. And Mary said, this is Mary's response to Elizabeth. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him uh, from generation to generation. He has sown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those who hum of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So I want you to see the change that happens here. Mary goes from fear and running away to Elizabeth. Immediately after she hears the confirmation from Elizabeth, this is her response. Do we see how powerful that is? If you haven't experienced that in your own life, I'm, I, I will be praying that you do because it is, it is amazing for both the person that, that needs the comfort and the person who is the comforter to say, look, this is what God is doing. It's, it's incredible, okay? There are times when what God's people need is a testimony to be encouraged and also what God wants because it shows people how God speaks. It's important for us when we talk about doing community the reason, one of the reasons, one of the many reasons is that's so important is as we share, as we're vulnerable in saying, this is what God's doing in my life. I, I, I'm not sure where he's headed with this, but this is what's going on. Would you guys be praying for me? The, the, the joy that we find in that is, is on both sides of the coin. It's, it's in the person that's saying, I need help. They get joy in sharing that burden. It, it kind of relieves the stress when you say it out loud. But then also the joy of the confirmation when somebody comes back and says, this is what the Lord's saying. And for the person who gets to share that encouragement, I can speak from firsthand experience. There's nothing better than that, than to, to be able to go to someone and say, look, this is what God's saying, and you can have confidence in what he's telling you because he's also telling me the same thing, 
Okay? Let's look at Luke 1, 57 through 66. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came to all neighbors, or all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard him laid them, uh, heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with him. If you'll remember, Zechariah uh, is, is in the temple doing his priestly duty. He goes into to the altar of incense, and while he's there, an angel appears to him and says, uh, your, your wife Elizabeth is going to have a child. And, and Zechariah responds like most of us would in this room. We'd go, what? She's too old for that. Husbands would never say that. Yeah, they would. Just not while you're listening to wives. And so the angel says, oh, you don't believe me? Okay, well, guess what? Now you can't hear or speak until it happens. I didn't remember that part of the story. But when we, when we see this part and, and we see that, that this interaction that Zachariah is having, I want a couple of things. Number one, the naming of the child was specifically the, the honor of the father. And so we see it happen twice in the Christmas story that a child is being named and not being named by their, their fathers. We see that in, in, in the birth of John the Baptist, but also in Jesus. Both times God takes that control away from the dad and says, this is what I'm doing. This is going to be their name. Okay, and so God is taking control of those situations. And so he makes Zechariah both, both deaf and dumb. He can't speak and he can't hear for that entire eight months. I want you to imagine, those of you who have children or maybe just had children or have friends who have had children, if your wife gets pregnant and from the whole pregnancy period you can't speak or hear. How much fun would that be? Not at all. Wives, how much fun would that be? Maybe. Maybe good. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate that. Okay. Here's point number two. Okay. God does not always want us to tell others what he's doing in our lives. Now, that may may seem contradictory to the first point, but it's not. And I want you to hear me out on this. Okay. Verse 58 points out, if we look at that again, it says... And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. I wonder how many of you could be pregnant and your relatives not know about it. None, right? Okay? It kind of gets obvious. That's all I'm going to say. It's getting, I'm making a motion for a big belly there, people listening on the podcast. Sometimes God doesn't want us to share with everybody what he's doing in our lives. This verse shows us the extremes that, that Elizabeth would have had to have gone through for her family and friends to not know that she was pregnant. And I can understand. Imagine if you were Elizabeth's age and all of a sudden God makes you pregnant. There's a couple of several emotions probably that pop up. Number one, why now? Okay, that would be one for me. Um, But then also, what if this doesn't take? What if, you know, because we all know now the complications that can come from from being pregnant when you're older. All of those things are probably going on in Elizabeth's mind. I don't know. I I, I I can't read her mind. But I know that there's probably some struggle going on there. But I believe also that the Lord told them to keep it to themselves based on what we read out of Scripture, okay? Just like we need to share our story with others, there are also times when we need to keep it to ourselves until the appointed time. 
If you remember in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there were times where he would heal people or he would perform a miracle and then he would tell them, don't tell anybody. The reason for that is that there are times when God wants to hold his work until an appointed time and then he reveals it to everyone and it, and it causes everybody to see God for who he really is. And if we, if we speak or we act before God has given us permission to, it takes some of that glory away from God and begins to put it on us. And we make what's supposed to be about God about, about us, okay? God does things in a lot of different ways. He's not like us. He doesn't think like us. And so we need to be careful to not put God in the box of, of thinking, well, this is the way he's always done it, so this is the way it's always going to work. When the Lord begins to speak in your life, you need to be paying attention and you need to be asking yourself, God, what do I do with this word now that you've given it to you? God may need you to keep it quiet for a little while, okay? Or he may want you to tell everyone what he's doing, what he's saying, okay? And we'll give you two examples uh, of, of both sides of this, okay? When Bethany, when we had that first surgery and the, and the surgeon came out and said, Will, I'm 90% sure this is cancer, okay? We've, I've shared that story a lot with you guys. Um, my, my initial reaction was, um, uh, you know, all the normal ones, fear, this can't be true, yada, yada, yada. When I finally got with the Lord, and I said, God, you got to give me a word on this because I need to know what I'm supposed to do. God told me very specifically two things. He said, your wife's going to be okay, she will be healed, and you need to tell people that. And I have, and I did. Okay, and God used that for his glory because now, post-cancer, by the way, if you hadn't heard, we're done, all right? Post-cancer, we have that testimony of saying from the very beginning, God said she was going to be okay, and now she is. So God gets the glory for that. It's not something that, that I get credit for, okay? But on the other side of that, there have been several times in my life where the Lord has given me a direction, told me to do something, and, and told me to keep that to myself until the right time. Some great examples of that is there have been several times in my life where I've made career changes, and God said months before the actual change happened that this was coming, that's not the kind of thing you go out and announce to everybody, right? You don't go to your employer and be like, hey, God told me I'm leaving in three months, right? That's not, <laughs> you might if God tells you to do that. But in a typical work setting, that's not how it goes. And, and you can probably think of many examples in your own life where God has told you to do something, but he's told you to sit on it until he tells you to, to speak it out, okay? There are times when speaking too soon is going to pull the glory away from God, okay? It's critical that we ask God what we're to share and what we need to keep to ourselves. As you're spending time with the Lord and God is speaking and he's informing areas of your life that you're asking him about, you need to ask him, do I share this now or do I wait? Because how we respond is going to make a big difference, okay? I, was, I had a friend of mine, excuse me, years ago that was uh, going to a court case for something that was very personal for him. Uh, but he and his wife had to go to court and he asked me to be praying for him about it. And that morning, I'm in my quiet time, and I'm asking God, I'm praying and asking God for a word for Jason, and God gave me a very specific word, that the court case was going to go in his favor. Now, I have two options at that point, right? I can, I can tell him or I can not tell him. And my fear always with, with speaking to someone that God has said this about you is, is what if I'm wrong, right? That's a, that's a very real consequence. If I'm wrong, I've gotten his hopes up, I've gotten his wife's hopes up, and now I've made God out to be a liar because I have said, God said this, and then that's not what happened. So that's heavy for me. That's a big deal. And so I asked God, do I share this with him? And God, again, gave me a very specific word and said, yes, you tell him exactly what I told you. So I called up Jason. I said, look, this is what God said. This is what's going to happen in your court case. Now, I'm going to tell you, that was a step of faith for old Will. 
because Jason was an important guy in my life, and I loved him a lot, and I certainly didn't want to get his hopes up and then be wrong. But I was confident because God gave me a very clear word of what he was going to do and what I needed to say. So I called him and I told him, guess what happened? Exactly what God said was going to happen. Guess who got the glory for that? Not me. God did because I told him. I shared the whole story and said, I'm praying for you. This is what God said. I asked God, do I need to share? God said yes. And now Jason has a new understanding of God's ability to speak in his life and how much he loved him because I was obedient to what God called me to do. Okay, but I asked, and I think it's critical that we ask. Okay, number three, God can take what is devastating for us and make it a miracle for others. God uses the temporary disability of of Zechariah to to set up the ministry of John the Baptist. I I have a, a guy that I'm working with right now who woke up one morning in the middle of the night and went to the bathroom and realized he couldn't hear it. I know that's probably a little too much information. But he went to bed one night and his hearing was fine. And he got up in the middle of the night and it was completely gone. Completely rocked his world. I can't imagine also losing the ability to speak at the same time. That would have been devastating for Zachariah. He's a priest. His, part of his job is to stand before the people and proclaim um, and, and to teach them about who God is. So it's devastating. His, his whole career path potentially could change. Okay, but God can use that, the, those times in our lives where we go through really hard stuff in order to, to inform other people or to teach other people. And listen, church, we need to be very careful about how we respond to what God is doing in our lives. Because there's going to be times where you're going through something really hard, and our tendency, because we're selfish people, is to complain about how hard things are. And again, what we're doing when we do that is we're taking the focus off of what God is doing and we're putting it on ourselves. And then when, when things work out, as God completes the work that he started in us, people have gotten to a place where they're not listening to us anymore because all we ever do is complain about how hard life is. Okay? Our complaints make the focus go from what God is doing to what we're crying about, to about what we're saying. Look at Luke 1, 65 through 66 again. It says, And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about, through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid, up in, laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Because of the way that both Zechariah and Elizabeth handled this situation, their neighbors got to see God for who he was, and they were amazed by it. The word of the Lord's goodness and power spread through all of Judea. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful, in their hearing and obedience to what the Lord was doing in their lives, the word of John the Baptist spread all over the region, okay? Because of how they handled it, John's life is set up in the way that the Lord needs it to be, okay? There's an expectation from the people in John's life that God is going to do something great because they've seen what the Lord's done in his birth, okay? I want you to consider this. Think about this. Never mind, I'm getting ahead of myself. Wait, okay? But... The joy that we talk about in Christmas, where is that at? We've looked at all last week, we've looked at all this suffering. We've looked at all this heartache that's going on in these people's lives. And again this morning, we're talking about some really hard situations that Mary and Elizabeth and Zachariah are already going through. And we haven't even touched on Joseph. 
Okay, we've got these people who are going through some really hard stuff. But when we think about Christmas, we think about joy and we think about peace and all those things. So, so as we look at these stories and we see these really hard things that are happening, where's the joy at? The joy is, is that our obedience will result in joy for those around us. And it's also going to result in joy for us, okay? Keep in mind what we discussed in the beginning. For 400 years, Israel has been living in war, okay? And even before that, they were in the Babylonian exile. I mean, life has been incredibly difficult for them as far back as anybody can remember. You think about the stories that your grandpa told, and you think, man, those were a million years ago. They were only 100 years ago, maybe, okay? As far back as people can remember, life has been terrible. God hasn't been speaking. He's been silent. And now all of a sudden, because of what God is doing and the way that the people he's doing it with are responding in the right way, now all of a sudden they have Zechariah who's making this prophecy. So they're getting a word from the Lord. And that prophecy is that John, his son, is also going to be a prophet and that his job is to prepare the way for the long-awaited Messiah. So where's the joy? The joy is that in the midst of all of this stuff that is so difficult and so hard, the Lord is working and he's moving and he is revealing himself. I was having a conversation with Carrie Grace right after she was diagnosed and was going through chemo. Um, and, and she had made a comment on Facebook or something and said, I don't know what I did to deserve this. And I called Carrie Grace and I said, you didn't do anything to deserve it. And she said, well, why am I going through it? And I said, I don't know. And I said, but I can tell you this from experience. God does not cause our suffering, but he also does not waste it. When we're going through hard times, church, God is doing something. And we need to ask him what's going on. It may be for you or it may be for someone else in your life. But we need to ask him, okay? Let's look at Zachariah's response to this, this whole ordeal, Okay? Because now they have a prophet and they have a Messiah, okay? They know that he's coming. Verses 67 through 80. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. As we're enduring, as we're spending time with God, he begins to piece together all the experiences that we've had in our lives, all the things that he's been teaching our entire life, all of a sudden he makes them real. You see, for, for Zechariah, he was a priest and he knew the prophecies. That was his job, to study those. And all of a sudden, as he's going through the, all of this really hard stuff, when he's, when he's going through the, the middle of this suffering, all of a sudden the light bulb comes on. 
and he begins to see all of the things that the Lord has been doing and been saying. And now he sees that God is using his hardness, or his, his hardship to bring forth joy and peace into the world. And he gets really excited about it. We, as, we, as we pursue God, we get a small glimpse of what he's doing if we're paying attention and we're asking him what's he's up, what he's up to. God uses our experiences to allow him to speak truth into our lives and, and more importantly, into the lives of others that are around us. Don't waste your suffering, okay? And, and look, I'm not, this is not the same old tired saying of, uh, you know, um, God's going to use your pain to help others, right? Like we hear that all the time when somebody's sick, we're like, you know, the Lord's going to, or we'll say, God won't give you anything you can't handle. Bull crap, that's exactly what he does, okay? Sorry, I shouldn't have said crap from the pulpit. Now I've said it twice. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here's the point. God uses our suffering, okay? He does. And he uses our, our pain to help others, but this goes way beyond just empathy, right? You know, a lot of times the, one of the things that we say is, you know, well, God's going to use this to help you encourage somebody else. Yes, he will, definitely. But that's, to me, that's only a small piece of it. That's only a small piece. There's always something much larger than just us that God's doing in our lives. And, and if we're not paying attention, we miss it. And we miss out on joy and we miss out on peace because we're focused on ourselves. I know we keep having that same conversation, but I, the Lord keeps speaking it in my life. And I know it's because I'm a selfish dude, okay? Let's, let's, don't be, uh, let's don't be confused about that. We all are. But when we're going through hard stuff, don't just assume that it's about you. Ask God what he's doing because he wants you to experience the joy and the peace. That's why he came. That's what Christmas is about. It's about the fact that God is working in these people's lives to bring forth the Messiah that they need. And if you'll remember, we've looked in Colossians before. that It says that, that Christ in us is the hope of glory. The way that the world experiences joy and peace of Christ is through you and I. His Holy Spirit dwelling in us is the hope of glory. It's the hope for all mankind that as we go through the Advent season of understanding who God is, the way that happens is through you and I, through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Us being obedient to being where God has called us and sharing as he leads what he's doing. God's involvement in our lives ultimately will end in joy. And it may not feel like it in the moment. I can tell you for the last year of our lives, joy is not the feeling I would have used to describe our life. But I don't know if you saw the video on Facebook when she rang that bell, but that face was joy. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I've watched it a million times. I can't tell you all the things that God did through that experience for Bethany, and I'm not going to begin to try to put into words for her what it meant, what, what God was doing in her. But I can tell you from my experience, that was hard. But God has used it so many times already to speak truth into people's lives, and to encourage people who really needed it desperately, okay? Mary's response to the angel, and then her response after talking with Elizabeth was joy, okay? Mary, when she went to Elizabeth, was, was scared. But as soon as she talks to Elizabeth, man, God opens it up, and she sees what he's doing, and it becomes real for her, and she experiences joy and peace in the middle of that hard time, Okay? Zachariah's response after hearing and understanding what the Lord's going to do at first, it was questioning, 
But then after he suffered through it, astounding joy. God told Zechariah, if you'll remember, that this was going to be the outcome. In verse 14, it says in Luke chapter 1, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Zechariah knew that, but he had to endure almost a year of not being able to speak or hear in order to experience that joy. Okay, Look, Mary didn't ask to be the mother of Christ. Joseph didn't ask to be the father. Zechariah certainly didn't ask to be deaf and unable to speak. Elizabeth probably had asked to be a mother millions of times, but probably not at the age that she was. We don't ask to go through hard stuff. None of us want to. But it's part of life. I, in Francis Chan's uh, book that we've referenced a lot, Letters to the Church, he, he shares um, a story of a young man that came to his office after God was revealing these things to the church. And he came in and he said, look, Francis, he said, I, I feel like um, when I signed up to be a believer, when I gave my life to Christ, I, it, was, it was sold to me in a way that I was a figure skater. Okay, that I'd go out on the ice and I'd do some loops and it was fun, but it was me and it was by myself and it was beautiful. But now you're telling me that actually what I signed up for was to be on the hockey team. And that's a lot different. I think for us as believers growing up in the Bible Belt that we all bought into the lie that the Christian life is easy. And I think that all of us can probably say with, with a profound yes that it is not. Right? Amen? Okay. Life is hard, but that that's what we signed up for. If you read the scriptures and you look at it and you look at the life of Jesus and you look at the life of the disciples and the apostles, it becomes very clear very quickly that their lives were tough, that they were hard. But God uses every bit of that for joy. I, I shared with you at the end last week, you think of, of, of your children or, or a best friend, someone that you love dearly, that you would endure anything for them. And, and Christ is wanting us to move to a place where, where that envelope expands to those that we're doing community with, where we get to a place in our lives where we say, Lord, I'm willing to do anything for this group of people. I will suffer for their sake. And that's a hard place to get to on our own. In fact, I would say it would be impossible outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want, you, I want to say that because I want you to see the trajectory of where God is, is bringing us. God is bringing us to a place where we're willing to lay down our lives for one another and say, no matter what, whatever's going on, I got you. That's our call as believers, and it's, it's that type of mentality that shows the world how much God loves them. It's that type of mentality that, that shows the world how much of the Holy Spirit is in us. And, y'all, we're going to catch pushback for that. People are going to say, what are you doing? That's, that's not what I signed up for. Well, maybe not, but that's the reality of where we find ourselves, okay? Life is going to be tough, and, and in those moments, it's going to be really easy for us to just Wave a white flag and say, I'm out. I've had enough. But if we will endure, if we will continue to just pursue God and, and ask him to inform us moment by moment what's going on, the ultimate result of that is going to be joy. That's what we see in the Christmas story. That's what the Christmas story has become for me as I see these, these four people who went through some really incredible things in a horrible time in the world. And they did all of that out of obedience. And the, and the end result of that is my joy. And the end result of that is your joy. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to rob that from the people that God has in my life. I, don't want, I want to be 
in a place where I can say to God, I'm not ready, but I'm willing. Get me across the finish line. Help me to see this thing out. Give me the strength and the courage and the power to lay down my life daily for those that you've put in my life. That way I get to experience joy and so do they. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just, for me, for a fresh understanding of the Christmas story and a fresh look uh, at, at what it means to be a part of the body, of what it means to, to lay down my life for those that, that you've placed in my life. And God, my, my hope, my prayer, my desire today, Father, is that, um, that you would just, just touch our hearts in a way Reveal yourself in a way that we have not experienced before. Father, as we, as we go through Christmas, that it wouldn't just be about the gifts, that it wouldn't just be about being at the right places at the right time, but Father, that you would give us time to just pause and to meditate and to understand that the things that you are doing in our lives, all the chaos, all the stress, all the sickness, that every bit of that is going to ultimately end in our joy, even though we may not see it right now. But God, that's where you're taking us. That's your goal. God, I just ask for the courage for each of us to stand firm in that and to understand that and to, to, to give us the ability to do it. God, we know that it's not in our own strength. We don't have it within us to be the people that we're supposed to be. Father, we know that, that your spirit in us has all the power that it needs. So Father, I ask that, that you would allow us to lay down our lives to you and that we would allow you to use us in whatever way you deem necessary.